everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate with CNM Coaching. My name's Maggie. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I have a very important topic that I want to talk about, and that is using weak verbiage. And I don't just mean over the phone, I also mean in person. So you can think about this in relations to sales calls, collections calls, service calls, etc. Like basically any communication between yourself and the customer. This is going to be really important. And this was a suggestion made to me by a dear friend of mine who owns a dealership and said, I can walk through the sales floor and hear some of these things or in my service center I hear some of this verbiage and I think, okay, if we would have just rephrased this in a different way, maybe we would have been more successful or happier with the outcome. And I thought this is a great topic because it really does cover a lot of the stuff that we train on, but also at the same time I think can help everyone no matter kind of what department you work in, if you're on the phone with customers, how it can really help you be better on the phone and just be a little bit more mindful of some of the things that we say. Now, I always use the example of money and I use the example of money because it's the easiest way for me to demonstrate to you how psychologically speaking, this can negatively impact your ability to accomplish your goals. And the best example that I can give comes from a personal experience that I had a long time ago, back in like 2000. One two 2002, I worked for a hospital and it was part of my job to collect copays from patients. And all of us had our own little like drawer with cash in it and we'd write the copay, we'd write the receipt. And I noticed that at the end of the day, some of my coworkers hadn't collected any money. And part of that is how they asked for the copay. So for example, if you, you know, come up to the person sitting next to me and they say, hey, Maggie, it's so nice to see you today. Checking you in for your appointment at 2.15. Looks like you have a $25 copay. Did you want to take care of that today? Now, most people are going to say no. We all know that medical debt is a big problem, especially for those of us in the independent space and you see credit reports and you can see medical debt in some you know, cases on there and it's definitely an issue. So you know that most people are going to say no. Well, if you came to my desk, I was most likely to say, hey, let me go ahead and get you checked in for that 215 appointment. Looks like you have a $25 copay. We can go ahead and take cash, check, or a card today, which is gonna be best for you. Now, if you think about the same question that was asked, they're both in regards to the $25 copay that the patient owes, but one person said, do you want to pay this? Which is, of course, nobody wants to actually pay it versus this is how much you owe and these are the payment methods I take. You can tell that these are the same questions, but they are phrased differently. One is definitely going to be more successful than the other because you can't expect somebody to do something for you that they don't want to do if you ask them in a weak way. So before we get into the specifics here, I want to talk about the seven different things that we're going to get in depth on today. And these are all of the things that can negatively impact your customer's perception of the business when you are weak on the phone or in your delivery. Number one is the perceived lack of confidence. Number two is you're going to create doubt and skepticism. Number three is reduced persuasiveness, your ability to convince or influence your customer. Number four is going to be increased room for misinterpretation or misunderstanding, especially when you're weak. Five, diminished customer satisfaction. Don't want that. Number six is negative brand perception, also an issue. 
And number seven, missed opportunities, which I think we all know happens when we are not strong enough on the phone. So let's go ahead and get started and talk about our first bullet point. When you use weak phrasing, it's going to negatively impact the confidence that a customer sees in you. So the perceived lack of confidence. So weak phrasing can convey a lack of confidence or conviction in the message being communicated. Customers are going to interpret this as either uncertainty or incompetence, which we definitely don't want when we're on the phone, which can erode the trust in the business or the individual kind of handling the situation. The last thing that you want is to call somebody, ask them a question, and have them go, I don't know. So if you ever don't know the answer to something, you don't want to say, I don't know. You want to say, I apologize. I don't have that information in front of me, but I'd be happy to get it for you. And this is going to be the most efficient way for you to not lose the customer's trust. And we don't want them to lose any confidence in us or our ability to help them because as we know, we have those 4.2 dealerships customers are shopping. We're not alone. We are competing against others. I think that this also kind of plays into the fact that you want to know what you're going to say before you answer the phone. And as everyone knows, I am a big supporter of scripts because I think this is how you get your conversation in order and you prevent yourself from missing things. But also on the flip side of it, this can help your confidence as well because you'll always have a response for customers in these situations. We can make sure that we increase your confidence so the customer feels more uplifted and trusting even if you don't have the answer in front of you. The last thing that we're trying to do is create doubt and skepticism Because weak phrasing is going to lead customers to doubt the credibility of the information or worse, your sincerity. We don't want that either because all of these things are happening in the customer's brain. You can't control them. If you're using weak verbiage, your customers are going to feel this way. It's going to make it easier for them to back out and it's going to make them question their decisions to do business with you. Obviously, we don't want that. We don't want the customer feeling like we're inadequate or we're not going to be able to support them. The other thing that you should think about is, and even think about this in regards to asking a copay, is the reduction in your ability to be persuasive. You're not going to coerce someone into magically wanting to pay that $25 copay. So even though we're selling cars, it's the same thing. Weak phrasing is going to limit your persuasive power, and you need that persuasive power. It's necessary if you want to influence the customer's decision. And your customer might be less inclined to take action or purchase from you if they perceive the communication as unconvincing or not being true or lacking in authority. So this is something I've actually talked about in the past in relation to Pavlov's dogs, which is the classical conditioning. Throughout our whole lives, we are conditioned to expect certain things. And when you go to purchase something from someone, you want to feel like the person is knowledgeable and feel that sense of authority from that person. Like they know what they're talking about. I mean, you don't want to buy a car from someone. A car is a big purchase. It's expensive. You don't want to buy a car from someone who seems like they know absolutely nothing about what they're doing. You are going to have set expectations prior to even calling a place when you are thinking about doing business with them. So think about how that's going to impact your ability to sell something if their expectations aren't being met on the phone. Definitely you're going to feel like, okay, this is red flags and bells going off everywhere. I should probably back out of this. So we don't want to reduce our ability to be able to be persuasive to the customer as well. You know, when you think about weak phrasing, it can introduce 
vagueness into the conversation. So also leaving room for misinterpretation or misunderstanding, telling the customer, oh, buying a car from us is going to rebuild your credit. You can't say stuff like that. That is going to lead to a misinterpretation. So you have to be incredibly careful about what you're saying. You don't want to frustrate the customer. You don't want to have to backtrack and constantly have to reassure customers before you proceed with the sale. Instead, you want to make sure that you're very descriptive, you stay in control of the call, you're clear and concise. Say, for example, you have a limited powertrain warranty. It's not going to cover things like a traditional bumper-to-bumper or regular maintenance or wear and tear in most cases. These are things you have to be clear about with a customer. You can't just say, we have a warranty, and then expect them to know what that means. You have to be descriptive. And you have to make sure that you take your time to explain it all to the customer so that there's no gray area. We do not want any vagueness in the description of how our warranty works. One time I heard a phone call where a customer thought that their warranty came with towing. And their vehicle died in the middle of the night in the desert. And they laid there on the side of the road in their vehicle overnight until the dealership opened because they thought that their warranty came with towing only to call the dealership the next morning and find out they stayed on the side of the road because they didn't want to pay for a tow truck for no reason because the warranty does not cover towing. So this is, again, a miscommunication between the salesperson and the customer at the time of purchase. They were under the impression that the vehicle came with towing. So imagine how that is going to negatively impact your customer's perception of this business in the future and their desire to refer anyone there. So let's make sure that we're clear about our warranty when the customer comes in to purchase. If there's a deductible, we have to be upright and forthcoming about that information. If you say things weekly like, well, we do have a warranty, but I'm not sure what's all involved in it. I can probably check on that for you. Now you sound like you have no idea what you're talking about. You're going to definitely increase the customer's suspiciousness of you decrease their confidence and it's going to be harder for you to persuade them to do anything because now they're skeptical of you and your company because you don't know answers to basic questions which kind of relates back to that first point that I made of having a script. If you have something set out in your plan and what you're going to say it's going to make it a lot easier for you when these questions come up to read from this information. Obviously, this is also why I am such a supporter of training. I think that a lot of times people get thrown into these jobs and these positions without proper training, and then it really falls back on the person that they work for because they're not responsible in providing and setting up their staff member for success. You have to train people on what's included, what's not included, how to sell a car, what to say on the phone, and if not, then that's irresponsible because training is an essential part of how the automotive business can continue to grow and thrive and help us prevent issues like this, for example, this weak phrasing or this vagueness, uh, which can in turn affect and impact our reputation within our own communities. So it really comes back to training. But in regards to the warranty discussion that we've been having, I'm not saying that you have to tell them the entire warranty and read the fine print over the phone. It's okay for you to give them a brief description of the warranty and explain we have a whole packet they're going to get when they come in that's going to tell them everything that's included in the warranty, but you don't want to be so vague over the phone that you sound insincere or completely clueless because we don't want to decrease the customer's confidence in us. And all of this stuff happens on the phone. 
And you don't really think about it when you say stuff. A lot of times we just kind of let it come out, but you shouldn't be weak on the phone in any of your verbiage. We also want to make sure that we're not decreasing customer satisfaction because weak phrasing may fail to address the customer's concerns. So what can happen is it can make them feel like we don't have any sort of solution to the problem that they're experiencing or the reason that they may have contacted us. Even if the conversation is something as simple as, my credit sucks, but I need a car. If you just say, well, bring in your pay stub and a piece of mail and your ID or driver's license and we'll see how we can help you. Okay, that's not customer satisfaction. That is not making the customer feel like you provided them any solution to their problem. So this is going to decrease the level of customer satisfaction. It's likely going to impact this customer's loyalty to your business in the future or referring anyone to you, especially if they feel like their needs are not being met or understood. This also applies to collections. If you have a customer that calls up and is going through a difficult time and you don't make the customer feel understood or like we have some sort of a solution, of course it's going to decrease the customer's loyalty. What happens when you have a reduction in loyalty when it comes to collections? You collect less money because a customer is going to not feel that sense of loyalty towards you. They're not going to feel that customer satisfaction. In turn, they're going to feel like their needs aren't being met. And you know how hard it is to reason with a customer who feels like their needs aren't being met? Do you know how hard it is to say to them, you need to pay this bill when they don't feel like you're holding up your end of the sale? So you have to think about those things and how what we say, particularly in collections and sales and service calls, can relate to the customer satisfaction and loyalty. Also, we never want negative perception of our brand. Even if you are a mom and pop store, you're running the dealership by yourself, you have three people working for you in a service center, you do not want to diminish the brand's image in any way. Anytime that we're using super weak verbiage, again, it goes back to number one, that perceived lack of confidence the customer has in our ability to fulfill their needs, it is going to negatively impact the overall community's perception of the brand, which we don't want. We don't want people thinking we're unprofessional, indecisive, we don't have any expertise in our field, because this is going to damage you long term and you may not see it right away, but it will push future business opportunities away from you if you continue to be weak on the phone or sound indecisive. We also don't want to be missing opportunities. So this is the biggest thing that I feel happens in these calls is when we have that perceived lack of confidence, We have that doubt and that skepticism. We're not able to persuade customers to do things. Then we have that decrease in the customer satisfaction, which again, in turn, is going to diminish the brand perception in the community, our reputation. We don't want that. It's all kind of like a a domino effect. You know, the first thing that happens, it just creates this whole problem. And what is the result? The result is missed opportunities because Anytime you're utilizing weak phrasing, it's going to prevent the business from capitalizing on potential sales, even upselling opportunities like selling a service agreement or an extended warranty. These are all things that we're going to miss out on if we are weak and we don't pay attention to the actual words that we choose to use because we need to be clear. We need to be persuasive. 
We need to make sure that we are maximizing that receptiveness from the customer when we're trying to sell things or collect money or even talk about a service agreement or a repair a customer might need. I mean, my husband is a mechanic, and so I I know a lot about cars, and I've learned so much from him over the years. And one of the things, obviously, is that vehicles are super unpredictable. And you can have a car that goes through an inspection and looks perfect and two weeks later is on the side of the road smoking. Those things can happen. Belts become squeaky. At one point, it's not squeaking and the next day it is. This is stuff that happens. Like, it starts somewhere. And so explaining to the customer how maintenance is super important right when you're selling the car can help us get eyes on the car on a regular basis and helps us maintain the integrity of the vehicle. And then when we find these issues, we can explain them to the customer, but we have to make sure that we're doing it in a confident way, that we provide them with the facts and explain what can happen if the repairs aren't fixed. This doesn't just apply to sales and trying to convince customers to come in and that you're the number one dealership they should buy cars from. It doesn't just apply to collections and trying to keep customers feeling comfortable and confident in doing business with us so that they want to keep making their payments on time. It also applies to service as well when you're dealing with customers that don't necessarily think maintenance is as important as it is. And of course it is, you know, changing your oil on time, making sure you've got fluids in there, checking the air in your tires, all of those regular things that we can do when the customer comes in for an oil change can help protect the longevity of the vehicle and in turn protect your investment in the vehicle itself to help us with future sales because they're going to feel confident in their ability to refer customers to us and increase that loyalty. It's also going to help us when it comes to collecting payments because the customer is going to feel heard and understood and feel that customer satisfaction because we are repairing the vehicle and keeping the vehicle on the road with regular maintenance. It's a win-win situation. Weak phrasing is going to have a detrimental impact on your customer's perception the satisfaction levels, the success of the business. So we need to make sure that we're using strong, confident language in order to help us build trust, credibility, and relationships with our customers. So let's talk about that a little bit. So there's going to be a few bullet points here that we're going to go over. There's going to be seven of them, along with a couple of other tips sort of sprinkled in here. But clarity and confidence are going to be really important. Your confidence in your ability to do your job. So we need to make sure that we're paying attention to that in order to reverse this weak phrasing. We want to be careful of professionalism and think about how weak phrasing is going to impact that. Customer satisfaction, building trust, effective problem resolution, your brand image, and then sales and upselling. So we're going to go over each of these seven things in depth because our main focus here, again, is how we can flip away from weak phrasing and then also be hyper aware of how using weak phrasing can impact these seven different areas of our conversations. So how do we do this? The first thing is, as I just mentioned, clarity and confidence. So you want to have strong verbiage that also helps you to be clear in your communication because your customer always wants to feel assured that they're dealing with a knowledgeable professional who understands their needs and can address their concerns. This is again where a script comes into play because the script allows you to use strong and clear language which is going to help with your customer interactions. It's going to reflect positively on the dealership if we have a path and we know what to say and we can see those strong words listed in there. 
And it's also going to help you build trust with your customer, especially since if you do work with us, we do build in a value statement, which helps you tell the customer why they want to do business with you. Think about your customer satisfaction as you're on the phone with the customer, because it's not just about sales, 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 sales. I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to my voice inflection podcast because that one has a lot of great information in it in regards to how your voice inflection can impact your customer satisfaction. But clear and strong communication is going to help make sure that your customer receives the information accurately. Remember earlier we talked about those inaccuracies or a customer misinterpreting information. Same thing. You want to always make sure we're all on the same page saying the same thing. A great example here is to think about your collections department. If everyone accepts different terms and conditions for promise to pays, you're going to have a very uneven process, meaning your customer is going to get a different experience depending on who they speak with. That's no good. So clearly we want everyone on the same page saying the same thing, getting the same training, which is going to help in resolving any issues efficiently, meeting your customer expectations, and of course, leading to a higher customer satisfaction level, which again, remember, creates a snowball effect. This is how we get referrals. Good customer satisfaction and customer service, and even in our service center, all of those things, and collections, all of it. The whole ball of wax is how you get customers that are happy and feel like they're getting that good customer service and having that mutual respect for each other, that's how you get referrals. That's how you get customers to come back and buy cars from you again in the future. And that's how you get them to refer their friends and family, by building that trust. And utilizing strong verbiage is going to help you convey that trust and tell them, I have authority on this situation. I have authority and I have proper information. I know what I'm talking about. When customers feel like they're dealing with someone who's competent and attentive, of course they're gonna trust you. This is what we want, we want that trust. Do your research, know what you're talking about before you go ahead and start talking to the customer. Plan it out on your script or if you're in a service department, You want to make sure that you have everything together. You want to tell the customer what can happen if the repairs aren't done so the customer knows, hey, this is important. I need to take care of this. They're not just trying to sell me something. They genuinely care, and we want them to feel that level of trust, and you can use your voice inflection for those situations as well. The ultimate goal here, whether you have a sales call, collections call, or a service call, is really finding resolution for the customer, either to help them get into a car, set up an effective payment arrangement, or perhaps in some situations, just get overall repair of the car. Um, Customers are gonna experience issues with their cars. This is gonna happen. So make sure that you use strong verbiage to help you address your customer's concerns, which can, of course, lead to a more positive customer experience. In sales situations, using strong verbiage is really going to be helpful when it comes to trying to get the customer in the car um, or once they're there to sell them an extended warranty, things along those lines. Obviously, you know, the whole thing that we're trying to accomplish is good customer service and an increase of sales. Some of the areas in your sales calls where you can do this are asking for contact information, setting an appointment, giving out contact information, sort of all of those things kind of across the board can help you produce a better sales call. So let's talk about some of that verbiage specifically. One of the things I always recommend doing when it comes to obtaining contact information is I recommend having a reason to need it. So I don't encourage you to start off a phone call with, you know, thank you for calling CNM Coaching. This is Maggie. And who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? 
It's a little bit too aggressive at the beginning of the call and it can make your customer feel caught off guard and it's kind of invasive. You want to make sure that you earn the opportunity to ask for the customer's contact information with your knowledge and your customer service skills and your verbiage. So I don't encourage you to start your conversation by just going in for that information. We want to build the relationship with the customer as we go through the call to make that happen. What I like to do is tell the customer, you know, first off, listen to the customer's needs. And then from there, tell the customer a little bit about the store. Now, right now I'm talking about sales calls. Um, So tell the customer a little bit about the store, kind of what we have to offer, why they would want to do business with us. Are we family owned and operated? Have we been in business for a long time? Do we report payment history to the credit bureau? Do we specialize in helping customers with a variety of challenge credit? You know, financing options. What, What do we have? Why would they buy from me versus, say, the guy down the road? That's what you're thinking about here. And then from there, kind of address the customer's needs. If they're starting the conversation off by saying my credit is terrible and I need a vehicle, then you're going to want to tell them about the purchasing perks. And then from there, ask them some questions about their situation to engage with the customer and make sure that they feel like you guys are going to be a good fit for each other. I've done podcasts on rapport building. You can check those out for further details. But then when you ask for the name and the number, I usually start with, hey, what's the best number for me to reach you back on? Is that a home number or a cell number? And you can make this part of your interview process. So after you've asked them a few questions about their situation, job time, where they live, et cetera, go right into this question. Get the contact information using those choices, which help you control the conversation. Then I always encourage you to say, how do I spell your last name? If their last name is like mine, Pugesic. Everyone always says, what's your last name? And then after I give it, they go, how do I spell that? It's easier for me if you just say, how do I spell your last name? And I answer the question once. Then from there, get first name. And now you're good to go. You have contact info. How about asking for the appointment? Same sort of concept here. Instead of saying, do you think you might want to stop in today? Or can you come in today? Which is again, like asking, can you make your copay? You'd want to say, so we're open till 7 p.m. I've got some time right now or a little bit later today for you to come in which works best for you. Your main goal here when setting an appointment is to try to narrow it down. I would always try to start off with options that are today if you can, if you have enough time left in the day. If not, then go for tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon. Or if you want, you can start by days and say today or tomorrow, and then from there morning or afternoon, and then time A or time B. But you're always going to use choices to help you narrow down the search as you go, which allows you the ability to zero in on when your customer might be free. Don't do this. Can you come in Thursday at 3? How about um, Friday at noon? Okay, what about Saturday at 9 a.m.? Don't do that. Don't just guess. And also try to stay away from things like when can you come in or do you want to come in because these are very weak. What is it that we're trying to do? control the conversation. So stay away from all these things that give the customer the control. Sometimes I say to people, who works at the dealership, us or them? And it's us. And we're the ones trying to get them to come in. So we want to be in control. We want to use authority and we want to make sure that we sound confident when offering them these appointments. So minimize your ums, your ahs, your pauses in your call. Make sure that you're using strong verbiage such as when are you available or I have today or tomorrow, which works best for you. Making sure that you're always giving the customer choices and narrowing things down as you go. When you get to the end of the call, I do recommend giving out contact information for sales calls. 
one of the easiest ways to do that is just to ask the customer if you can go ahead and send them a text message with your contact info. Having them write it down is important as well, but I like to say something like, I'm going to send you a text message with my contact information so you can reach me if you have any questions. Is the number you gave me earlier the best number to text you on? Great, so you're probably gonna receive an opt-in text if you could just go ahead and reply yes, then I can text you back with my contact info so that we can work together in case you have any questions in the future. And this is a great way for you to help ensure that you've got that strong verbiage and you're driving that customer towards opting into the text, which we all know is a really helpful sales technique. The other thing that's important is also making sure that we ask the customer to let us know if something changes with their appointment time. And I usually use strong authoritative verbiage here. I don't wanna plant a cancellation seed, I wanna plant an accountability seed. So I say something like, I have you all scheduled for Saturday at 12.15. Now, um, Maggie, can I just count on you to let me know if anything changes with your availability? Great, thank you so much. You can always shoot me a text or give me a call on that number. And then, do you know where we're located? Okay, so you know that we're right across the street from Taco Bell on the left-hand side of the road? Just like that. So think about how we phrase these things and how they can help us. In regards to service, same sort of concept. When you have to tell a customer about a diagnosis, the best way for you to do it is to start off with the symptoms the customer was experiencing. Let's say, for example, the customer was hearing a knocking noise or a belt squeaking. Okay, so when you initially brought your vehicle in, the belt was squeaking. So what we did is completed a diagnostics of your vehicle. Here are the things that we found. Here are the things that need to be fixed. And here's what's going to happen if we don't repair these items. My recommendation would be X, Y, Z at this moment and then give the customer the cost and then pause. This allows the customer to process what they've heard and then make the decision and come back at you with any questions that they may have. When it comes to collections, instead of saying, how much can you pay today? We're better off saying, how short are you of making your payment in full? Which is going to allow the customer then to do some sort of math in their brain and then come back with an amount. What we found over time is that customers are more likely to try to hit their full payment when we phrase the question this way because it feels negative to the customer. If their payment is 250 and they say, well, I only have 50 bucks, it makes their brains go, hold on a second, that means I'm 200 short. And it reverses the psychological thinking of the dollars. So when you say how short are you of making a payment in full, they don't want to just give you 50 bucks. They want to try to get as close to their payment as possible because of that reverse psychology aspect, which works really well. So they're more likely to say, well, I only have 175. And they usually will offer you just a little bit more. It's kind of like when you use a starter interrupt and you turn off the car, then they magically find the cash to make their payment. All of these things are about how we phrase things and the words that we choose to use. And if you're not familiar with where you kind of fall on this spectrum, am I weak, am I strong, am I in the middle? I suggest listening to yourself on your own phone calls, either by using a company like CNM Coaching or by asking your manager to pull a couple of your own calls and listen back to them and see if you can identify the areas where you were weak and then work to strengthen those things. Tools are out there. I've done so many podcasts on different sections throughout sales and service and collections calls that you can find information here within my podcast that can help you transform that phrasing. But remember, use choices whenever you can. Make sure that you sound sure of yourself. Plan out what you're going to say ahead of time and think of any potential objections and what verbiage you would use to overcome those objections. 
Stay away from using words like would, could, maybe, possibly, can you, thinking. Anything that can weaken the strength of your conversation, your delivery, your sentence, whatever it might be that you're doing, even text messages, emails, all of this stuff applies. Customer psychology applies to every method of communication, not just vocal. But when we're using the phone, we have other tools at our disposal, such as voice inflection. So just remember, practice your active listening. Listen to your customers regardless of what type of call you're taking. Active listening is important. Use clear and confident language. Be empathetic and also validate your customer, especially in service and collections calls. Even in sales calls when they're talking about their challenge credit, empathize and validate the customer's feelings so that they feel a connection to you. Try to use uh, choice-based questions when possible to help control the conversation. Remember that if the conversation starts to become unproductive, especially in collections or service calls, redirect the call. You may have to reframe the discussion by summarizing some of those key points, but always steer it back towards finding solutions and addressing the customer's concerns. You can do this by repeating their verbiage back to them. Always provide information and solutions. If you have a customer that calls up with challenged credit, let's make sure that we are providing a solution for that on how to help them get into a vehicle and that we're using verbiage that helps get the customer excited and feeling confident about their ability to get approved. That's why we like to ask those rapport building questions because it helps boost that customer's confidence. Set clear expectations. For example, I have one dealership that if they're uh, going to have their spouse on the loan, both parties must be present at the time of filling out the application because it's required by that state law. So set those expectations. Hey, if you plan to have your spouse go in on this loan with you, it is imperative that they are here with you and provide their pay stubs and their valid driver's license and a piece of mail as well because the state law does require that you apply at the exact same time. That's being clear with the customer. Also, make sure that we are maintaining professionalism throughout the call. Again, when you say things like, I don't know, or I'm not sure, or I don't have those answers, you're telling the customer that you don't know what you're talking about. You are literally diminishing their confidence in your ability to do your job. So say things like, you know what, I apologize. I don't have that information right in front of me. I definitely don't want to give you any factual information. So let me gather that information for you and then I can go ahead and give you a call back or shoot you a text message with your answers. That tells the customer that you care about being factual and you care about the answers and you want to make sure that you get your ducks in a row before just answering their questions, which is going to increase their confidence in doing business with you. Make sure that you're assertive and not aggressive. There's a big difference between the two. And I have done a podcast on this as well, how what you say does matter. We're not looking for aggressiveness. We're not trying to say, you must come in if you want to buy a car from us. Okay, well, that's not going to get you anywhere. But if you say, so we're open till 7 p.m., I have time right now or later today. Or maybe it's tax time and you're working with TaxMax and you want to say something like, Well, we are working and partnering with a company called TaxMax, which means all you need to do is bring in your last paycheck for the year and we can go ahead and use that down payment towards a new vehicle for you, applying your tax returns as your down payment. Now, this is something we're having a special right now. We have extra staff here tonight to help us with this program. So I would highly recommend that you come in this evening. We're open till 7 p.m. I do have some time right now or a little bit later today, which is going to be best for you. 
So you're creating some excitement surrounding a tax max program, or maybe it's a sale, maybe it's appraisals, maybe you have an appraiser, but they're only here till five tonight. All of that stuff creates that excitement and creates that sense of urgency, which in turn can help you be more assertive when you're going for an appointment. Same thing with collecting and a payment. You don't want to be aggressive. You want to be assertive. Helping the customer to understand their vehicle is important to them. It's an investment. We have to be careful with our verbiage and you don't want to say things like, do you want to make your car payment? I don't want to make my car payment. My credit's fine, but do I want to make it? No, it's almost paid off and I can't wait for the day when it is. But at the same time, do I enjoy making that car payment every month? No, I would much rather put that money in my savings account. So when you ask me, do I want to make my payment? No. Am I willing to make the payment? Of course. Of course I want to make my payments on time. Assertive, not aggressive. And then this one is super important and that is the follow-up with the customer. If you're in sales and you're trying to sell cars, do not expect to sell anything if you don't follow up with your customers. We are seeing such a decrease right now in internet lead response times. They're terrible. 92% of customers aren't getting responded to within an hour. This is a problem. And then once that happens, how many customers are getting followed up with? And I'm not talking about one text message. That doesn't count. I'm saying actual real follow-up, a genuine engagement on our part towards the customer doing everything we can to try to get that customer interested and excited about purchasing a vehicle from us. Selling those perks. I do think that if you use all of these tools together, I see no reason why you can't have more successful sales collections and service calls. We want to implement these strategies and we want to make sure that we're controlling the conversation, we're building trust, we're building rapport, providing good customer service, exceeding the customer's expectations, and then focusing on the perception of our brand overall. The better the customer service, the better the loyalty, the more referrals we're going to get. Hopefully you feel like this topic was helpful to you. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me, Maggie at C-A-N-D-M-Coaching.com. That's Maggie at C-N-M-Coaching.com. You can always reach us by phone at 877-900-9461. I hope to see you at Compliance Unleashed. It's May 22nd through the 24th at the Embassy Suites at DFW. This conference, this is going to be my third year attending this conference. This year will be my third year. And I'm super excited to go because there is so much amazing information that happens. And if you think compliance can't be fun, then you've obviously never been to this event. So if you're interested in registering, you can go to complianceunleashed.com and get yourself registered. It's super affordable. I highly recommend attending. If you have any questions at all, um, definitely reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to you about it and even hook you up with some people who have attended in the past. There's some great speakers that are going to be there as well. So once again, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of Elevate with CNM Coaching. I hope you have a great rest of your week and I'll see you real soon. 